Well, good morning again, First Baptist. Um, first off, let me say, if you're, if you're here this morning, one of the ways that we can know that you're gathered with us, uh, we've mentioned it, but we'll mention it again. We just, we'd love for you to drop a comment here on Facebook. Um, in a moment, we're also going to give you an opportunity to respond to the truth that we see in God's Word. And we'd love for you just to, to leave a comment there. And, and if you've got a certain prayer request, a decision that you'd like to make public, make, make known, if there's, a, if there's a decision or if there's a, a comment, a prayer request that's more sensitive or more um, private in nature, <clears throat> we'd let you know, please, uh, you can, there, you can leave, uh, leave a, a comment and, uh, through private message, uh, email, what, whatever, whatever you need to, to do. We just, we just want to know that, that we're gathered together and know how we can continue to pray for each other during this time. Last week, uh, we continued our study in the book of James. <clears throat> And I know sometimes whenever we, when we come to a time like this, uh, I, I know it's, uh, it's very easy for us to, to shift from, from what we might have been studying to, uh, to an, another passage to speak specifically, pointedly to a time like this. And, and hear me, I, I'm not opposed to that. Uh, Jamie and I, Pastor Jamie and I, we, we, we're, not, we're not just plowing through the book of James just because we don't want to to take the time to think of something else to preach. Can I, can I just say that, that we're going to stick with James because right now I think, I think that the word that we have before us today is a timely word. It is absolutely a timely word for our church, for this day, for this time, even in the midst of the current context that we find ourselves in. Last week, Pastor Jamie began this conversation on, on, on having the marks of, of true wisdom. We, we compared, Pastor Jamie compared false wisdom to godly wisdom last week, and, and we saw really how wisdom and humility and, and godliness, how they all intersect and really kind of, kind of flow from each other. If you remember, we, we talked about how wisdom really leads to humility, and that humility before God then leads to our godliness as it's fleshed out in our lives. This morning, what I, I'd like for us to consider is really then along those same lines, not, not only the marks of true wisdom, but, but the marks of true friendship with God. We're, we're going to compare and contrast the marks of friendship between, between the world and the marks of friendship between a, a true relationship with our holy God. I, I, honestly, I, as I began to prepare this week and to really think about it, I, I thought about entitling this message not simply the marks of true friendship with God, but, but, but the need for social distancing. Now, I know that's kind of raw right now to think about the, the experience that we're all living in the moment, that, that yes, indeed, we find ourselves in a, in a unique time where we're practicing social distancing. But hear me, that, this, is, this is a passage that, that actually speaks to that in a sense. Now, now, James in this passage really doesn't lay out for us principles on, on, on keeping six feet away from each other. But, but, but this passage absolutely speaks to the fact that as God's people, as friends of God, as those who walk deeply and intimately with him, yes, indeed, we are called to separate ourselves from the world. Now, right now, we're talking about social separation in our immediate context. Can I say, yes, we, we need to listen to obey to the government that's over us. But right now, we also need to reach out as friends to the world. He said, wait a minute, I thought you said we don't need to be friends 
with the world. We, we, we need to reach out to those who are struggling, those who do not know Christ. Right now, we need to figure out ways to befriend them. When, when this social separation is lifted, we need to, to invite the world into our homes and share a meal together so that in the end, they can see what's most important, that we are a people who have true friendship with God. When it comes to the morals and the values and the standards of the world, that's what we distance ourselves from. Right now, the, the world needs a friend. The world needs a friend in you and me. The world needs us to reach out and show them ultimately that we are friends with Jesus. James chapter 4. Let's begin reading in verse 1. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason that the scripture says the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely, but he gives greater grace? Hear that again, church. But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Would you pray with me? Gracious, loving Father, I ask that as we dig into your word this morning that, Lord, you would reveal to us the truth that it contains. That, Lord, we would be a people who are, who are spiritually distancing ourselves from the world. But, Lord, at the same time, as we spiritually distance ourselves from the world and the desires of the world, that we would, we would draw near to you. That, Lord, there's, there's no spiritual separation. There's no spiritual distancing between us and you. That, Lord, that we would truly draw near to, to you. And, and as we see in your word, Lord, we know that as we do just that, that you will draw near to us. Lord, teach us to be a people who look, who live, who act, who speak radically different from the world this day and each and every day. And may we be true friends of our living God. Lead us in this time now. I ask us in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. When we come to James chapter 4, we really have to kind of set it in its context. Jamie did a good job for us last week, helping us to see that really the end of chapter 3 leads us into this truth of here in chapter 4, 
we see a, a chapter break in, in, our, in our translations on this day. But, but really, I mean, it, these, these passages really just run together. Last week, when we, as we thought about the marks of true wisdom, we, we really see that, that it is, that it is the, the, the fights and quarrels that James refers to here in chapter 4 come from, from the worldly wisdom that was influencing God's people that we saw back in chapter 3. In fact, the word here for covet in, in chapter 4, verse 2, comes from the same word that James uses in chapter 3, verses 14 and 16, that he translated there that we translate as jealousy or envy. Say, what, what are we getting at here? What do we see when we run these passages together? Hear me. That here's, what we, here's what we know. When God's people rely upon worldly or false wisdom, trouble is always sure to follow. When, when God's people began to care more about the wisdom of the world, when God's people began to think more and more about, about the desires of this world, as, as we think about this, then, then we see here that, that surely trouble is going to follow. And specifically in James 4, we see that God's people begin to quarrel and, and fight with each other. You know, when I think about fights and quarrels in the church, I can't help but think that the devil really just has to be pleased when, when he gets God's people to fight with one another to, to the extent that they, that they actually lose sight of the true battle. I, I like to think of it this way. Whenever, whenever you and I come to faith in Jesus Christ, the word is very clear that nothing can separate us from the love of God. That, that the devil himself can't separate us from the love of God. But, but it is God's people who are constantly bombarded. It's God's people who are constantly attacked by the devil and, and his demons. We sometimes give the devil a little too much credit, I believe. There's a thing that we sometimes refer to as the unholy trinity. It's the devil and his demons, but also it's the world and then our own sinful flesh. So, so sometimes we, we see, though, that, that the devil, what he does is, is he, he, he constantly puts the temptation and the, and the desire for worldly wisdom and flesh before believers because if, if we get so wrapped up in pursuing what the world has to offer, I can guarantee you the last thing that we'll be willing to do is share the good news of the gospel with the lost and dying world. We get so wrapped up in our own concerns. We get so wrapped up in our own desires. We get so wrapped up in, in the worldly enticements around us that, that we stop drawing near to God. And as we begin to, to move away from God and draw nearer and closer to the world, the devil's pleased. Because even though he can't snatch us from the Father's hand, what he's in effect doing is, is he's making us ineffective. He, he's, he's paralyzing us in our fear. He's paralyzing us in, in our own sin. It's one of the devil's tactics. And, and, and you see here in this passage that it's, it is friendship with the world that, that leads to, to that very problem in the church. It's, it's relying on the wisdom of the world and friendship with the world that, that ultimately leads us to the point that we, that we come to the to the altar. We come to the table with selfish motives. And that's what was happening in James's day. We'll kind of compare and contrast here in the passage, friendship with the world and friendship with a God. So let's begin with friendship with the world. We, we see in this passage, really in verses one and two, that friendship with the world comes from sinful desires of the flesh. 
Friendship with the world comes from sinful desires of the flesh. You see it there in verses one and two. Look at it again. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot attain. You fight and wage war with each other. You see, in the church in James's day, they, they had a lot of problems. James identified the source of the conflicts that really was Ultimately, it was their personal cravings. It was their, it was their sinful passions that were leading to the fight amongst fellow believers in the church. Can I just say this? The, the, church, is, the church will never be edified when its, when its members come to the table with selfishness and, and sinful desires. When, when we come to the altar, when we come to the church, when we come and, and gather together digitally, but soon we gather together again as the church, if we come together with selfish motives, hear me, the church will never be edified. The church will never be built up the way Christ intended. The church in James's day was filled with people who had personal cravings, personal desires, and, and it led to to troubles in the church. These sinful desires typically come from two sources. You see there in the passage, really what James alludes to is that oftentimes people want what they do not have, and, and then not only that, but people covet what they cannot obtain. These sinful desires, hear me, there's good news. These sinful desires, they actually can't be avoided if we'll just take a simple approach. Look at verse 2 again. Look at the, the 2b, I guess you'd say, the last part of, of verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask. You see, what is James getting at? Faithful prayer. Faithful prayer never makes a selfish request. Often though, let's just be honest, that that instead of asking God in prayer, usually what happens is our sinful and selfish desire leads to envy and strife in in our own lives. And, And instead of truly asking God in prayer to, to bless our church and to bless our families. We, we come to, to the time of prayer where we, we ask for ourselves more than anyone else. That's what's happening here. Friendship with the world comes from sinful desires of the flesh. That then leads us to the second truth of friendship with the world. Friendship with the world, not only does it come from sinful desires of the flesh, but it's motivated by a desire for earthly pleasure. Look again at verse 3. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You see, this is a, obviously a huge problem that the, these believers, they, they weren't gaining their, their true desires. They weren't gaining the desires that God intended for them because, because they were asking with the wrong motives. They, they, they may have had legitimate requests. The needs that they were bringing to God might have been very legitimate, but they prayed for the wrong purpose. They, they only wanted to pursue their personal pleasures. Let me ask you, when you come to the Lord, even right now, When you come and you lift up your prayers to him, what are you praying for? How are you praying? What's the purpose of your prayer? Is it it to receive glory for self? Is it out of a motivation for your own personal desires? Or or is is it simply for God's will to be done in our life and that through our lives God would be glorified? Is it, is, it, is it prayer for, for others that God would move and work in their lives? Are, are we coming to God in faithful prayer or are we coming to God in, in our own selfish prayer? The problem here, friendship with the world, is motivated by desire for earthly pleasure. But then we also see a third truth that friendship with the world results in 
ultimately spiritual adultery against God. Friendship with the world results in spiritual adultery against God. As bad as all this has been, hear me, what, what James is getting to is something that's really scary. Uh, this, is, this is a very dangerous condition that, that's caused when, when we ultimately op- oppose God and, and his purpose for the church. We see it here in verses 4 and 5. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or, or do you think it's without reason that the Scripture says, the Spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely. Instead of being a faithful bride to Christ, what was going on here is James is here is they, they turned their back on God and they, they literally, they committed spiritual adultery with the world. This is absolutely dangerous. In verse 5, James asks a rhetorical question. You look at it again. It says, the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely. There's a question there. Now understand, you've you, you got to understand that context is key here. We're reminded in chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, that we saw last week. Back, back up really quick in chapter 3, 15 through 17. It says, such, such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy, and good fruits, unwavering without pretense. You see, as we're reminded of that passage in chapter 3, instead of pursuing the wisdom from above that brings humility and peace, these were people who allowed the wisdom of the world to ultimately dominate all their hopes and ambitions. This leads to God's jealousy. Now, I know when you hear that phrase, sometimes people are, what do you, what do you mean? Is God truly jealous can I, can I just say it this way? God jealously longs for the spirit that he made to live in us. A, a spirit that, that longs to know him and walk with him. You and I, we were made in the image of God. And, and, and he put a spirit in us that was made to, to have a relationship with him and to, to walk intimately and deeply with him. And, and that's exactly what the first man and woman did. They, they were walking with God in the garden, enjoying a, a, a true spiritual being with him. Now, God jealously longs for, for that relationship to be restored. Scripture tells us in Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, do not bow in worship to them. That's speaking of of false gods and idols. And do not serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children of the Father's iniquity to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. You see, God's jealousy here is ultimately, understand this, it's wrapped in his righteousness. He can be jealous because he knows that that our pursuits of worldly lust and pleasures will always separate us from him. If there's ever been anyone who has the right to be jealous, it's God. 
Because God knows that our sinful desires, our sinful way of life will always lead us away from him. So yes, God is jealous. He wants us to pursue him, to know him, to walk with him deeply and intimately. And ultimately, we see in the book of James that this church was more concerned with their selfish desires. And as a result, they were steadily distancing themselves from a holy God. And it made God jealous. Ultimately, it led to the final truth here. Friendship with the world is marked with dishonorable judgment speech judgment and speech towards others. Jump down to verse 11. Really, you'll see this, how it also fits in the friendship with God. But jump down to verse 11. It says, don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? You see, as as the followers of the church here in James's time, as, as they were walking more closely with the world, they actually began to judge their fellow believer. <laughs> they, they began to play the role of God, and they judged each other. As they were walking more closely and not practicing social distancing, spiritual distancing from the world, as they were growing and looking more and more like the world, being influenced by the desires of the flesh and the world, as they were walking more in the ways of the world, they were walking further away for, further and further away from God. And it was resulting in them speaking judgmental words towards each other as believers in the church. Friendship with the world. Friendship with the world. Spiritual friendship with the world will always lead us down a road of brokenness, pain, and sorrow. Yes, there might be a brief moment of gratification. There might be a, 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 just a, a taste of, oh man, that was good. But all the while, we're pushing God away. We're socially, spiritually distancing ourselves from a holy God and, and we're embracing a world that ultimately will lead to death and darkness and destruction. And even in the church, we speak ill of each other. There's good news, church. As we find ourselves in this moment of socially distancing ourselves, literally from the world and each other, that spiritually we should be doing that. We should be reaching out to a lost world in, in, in new and unique ways. But, but as, we, as we push away the world spiritually, we can draw near to God because because he's the die, he desires to be our friend. Where do we see it? We pick up here in the second half of this passage. Friendship with God. Understand, there's a lot about friendship with the world that, that is evil and wicked and destructive. But, but friendship with God, there's, there's good news here. Friendship with God, first and foremost, it comes with his offering of more grace. Friendship with God comes from his offering of more grace. Grace. Look at verse 6. But he gives, gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It's incredible to think of God's amazing grace. It's absolutely mind-blowing when we think about the grace that God richly gives to us as his people. I sometimes talk about 
God revealing his love to us in, in some incredible ways. And, and really when we talk about the love of God is revealed to us in his grace and in and his mercy. I, I didn't bring a coin with me, but if I sometimes I illustrated this, that we can describe the love of God like a quarter. One side is head, one side is tail. Well, it's, it's God's love and one side's grace and one side's mercy. God's grace is God giving to us what we don't deserve. God's mercy is God not giving to us what we do deserve. When we think about God's amazing grace, it's endless. He richly lavishes upon us all that we don't deserve. You and I can be friends with God. You and I can be co-heirs with Jesus. You and I are adopted into the family of God. That's God's grace. We receive all that the moment that we trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And hear me, the good news is, is it doesn't end there. James tells us that God gives greater grace. Some translations say that God gives more grace. You see, you and I, we didn't seek God first. He sought us restored a broken relationship when we trusted in him. And from that point forward, he doesn't just say, well, you got a little bit of my grace. Good luck. I'll see you in the end. No, each and every day, God gives us more and more grace. As we draw near to him, he richly, lavishly bestows upon us more and more grace. It's endless friendship with God. It comes from his offering of more grace. But it doesn't end there. We see further on that friendship with God comes ultimately, results ultimately in our submission to him. Hear me, listen. <clears throat> I wanted to emphasize the grace of God. It's richly lavished upon us. He gives it to us more and more. But then it always results in something. God, God doesn't, again, doesn't bring us into a relationship with him, pat us on the back and say, now get out there, good luck, I'll see you later. No, he, he wants to walk near to us so that as he richly bestows his grace upon us, that our lives will look radically different, that we will socially and spiritually distance ourselves from the world and, and that we will draw near to him. Friendship with God results in, in ultimately our submission to him. The word there for submit, it means literally to subject to, to be obedient to. You see, James uses here in the last half of this passage, uses several imperative verbs, really ultimately what they are, they're commands, telling us how, how we should submit, or really telling us what submission should look like in our lives. If you and I, if we've experienced the grace of God and we continue to experience more and more grace of God, then it should lead us to submit ourselves to Him. And, and that submission has some very clear characteristics. They're actually commands here. What are they? James tells us, that first and foremost, if we want to grow in our relationship with God, then, then there's some things that we have to do, right? The first one is resist the devil. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 9 says, Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. The scripture is very clear that right now, yes, there is a devil. He is prowling the face of the earth. The good news is, is he's not 
omnipresent. He's not everywhere at all places. He, he's, he's not all powerful. He's very limited. And listen, he already knows that he's lost the war. There's still battles going on, but ultimately, even the devil knows he's already defeated. He knows that he's, he's prowling this world on limited time. You and I, through the power and the presence of God Almighty in Christ Jesus with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we have all that we need this day in order to be able to resist the devil. Hear me. Friendship of the world, it might taste good for a moment. As we look for our desires and our pleasures to be filled in the world right now, right now, I heard recently, just read an article where they're, they're, the pornography industry, because of social distancing, they're opening up free content on the internet. <laughs> the devil himself is pursuing us. He's longing to devour us. And in this moment, He's looking for any crack in our armor, but Christ has given us all that we need. The Holy Spirit dwelling in us in order to draw near to God and really walk deeply and intimately with Him, submitting to Him, we have to resist the devil. Secondly, we, we must draw near to God. Again, we see it there. We, it says the, the command there ultimately is submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now, again, our, our nature is to turn from God. Our sinful flesh is to turn away from God. But when you and I trust in Jesus Christ, he makes us a new creation. He places the Holy Spirit on the throne of our hearts and gives us all that we need so that, it, yes, and actually, indeed, we can draw near to him. Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2, the Lord is with you when you are with him. Did you hear me? The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. We can draw near to God, even though our fleshly desires sometimes still rear their ugly head, even though the world is pressing in around us, even though the devil himself is roaming this earth like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, we still, because the Holy Spirit in us, we can draw near to him. How do we do that? Right now, we're, we're doing some pretty crazy things. Uh, seminary, Caskey Center, one of our centers on campus recently purchased all these little clip-on bottles of hand sanitizer. The few people who are remaining on campus, most of us are walking around with this clipped on our belts so that we can constantly be, be cleaning our hands. And, 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 and as we touch unclean surfaces, we can quickly clean. Well, look, what James says here is that we as believers, in order to, to truly submit to the Lord, that we are called to cleanse our hands. You see, sin causes spiritual uncleanness. uncleanness. We, we have to repent of our sins and, and we have to return to his grace. How? God's already planted his word in us. He's already chosen us for his new birth. He's already let the Holy Spirit come and dwell inside of us. So, so cleansing ourselves is simply allowing God to continue to cleanse us. It's returning to his word. It's praying. It's seeking his face. It's repenting of our sins. Acknowledging our weakness. Fully relying upon him. 
cleansing our hands. It's another step of how we can faithfully submit ourselves to him. There's a fourth way, purify your hearts. Cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. Jeremiah 4 verse 14 says, wash the evil from your heart, Jerusalem, so that you will be delivered. Wash the evil that's there. How do you do that? Again, it's the work of God. He's already done that. In the Old Testament, he gave, he gave the, the sacrificial system as a, as a representation of the cleansing through the blood that he would bring through a lamb. Well, guess what? He's done that in Christ. Now we, as we draw near to him and we allow him to cleanse our hands, we repent of our sins, we allow him, we just lay ourselves open to him and, and he reaches in and, and continues to cut away the, that fleshly heart, that stone, and, and he gives us a new heart. He's constantly purifying us so that we can draw near to him. He goes on to say, if you want to be able to submit to God fully, he says, be miserable and mourn. You see it? Be miserable. Look at verse 9. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Right now, there are some who are really struggling with depression. I'm not making light of it. It's a reality. Social distancing being, being cooped up in one place for a lot. There are people who are literally struggling right now who are mourning, who are weeping for, for real reasons. James here, he's, he's talking about as believers, we should have a, 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 an urge, a, a, a desire to truly be miserable, mourn, and weep for our own sins. In the particular context, instead of walking in the ways of the world, instead of pursuing the ways of the world, when, when we struggle, when we're tempted, when we, when we stumble, when we fall, it should lead us to where we fall on our faces before Almighty God and we beg Him for forgiveness. We, we pour out our lives before Him and we repent of those sins. We absolutely are called to weep for our sins. Right now, there's people who are weeping over an empty bourbon street. God says we should weep because of what typically takes place on bourbon street. As his people, we're called to mourn our sins and the sins of others. Matthew chapter 5 verse 4, Jesus preaching the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, blessed are those who mourn. Literally, the word blessed there means happy. Sounds, sounds natural, right? Happy are those who mourn. Yep, got it, Jesus. Happy are those who are sad. What, what do you mean, Jesus? Blessed are those who mourn for their sins, for they will be comforted. Church, Right now is a time that we can draw near to God and we can confess our sins to him and, and we, can, we can draw near to him and allow him to continue to cleanse our hands and purify our hearts. And, and as we confess our sins, we know for certain that God will continue to draw near to us. There's a final way we see here a command in order for us to be able to truly submit ourselves. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord. Humble yourselves. Look at verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Matthew 23, verse 12. 
says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So what have we seen? What, what is it that we see in James chapter 4? What, what is it that, that James is really trying to get at? We need more spiritual distancing from the world. When, when we begin to long for, walk with, act like the world and all of its sinful pleasures and desires, when, when we as believers look more and more like the world, it always results in tragedy. It is as we draw near to the world, we're distancing our, ourselves from Almighty God. Friendship with the world, it comes from evil, sinful desires of the flesh. It's motivated by a desire for earthly pleasure. It results in spiritual adultery against God, and, and it's marked with dishonorable or judgmental speech towards others. Friendship with God, on the other hand, it, it comes with, with His offering of more grace, more and more grace. Friendship with the world. As we, I mean, some friendship with God is as we experience more and more of that grace, then it, then it always results in our submission to him. How do we do that? Resisting the devil, drawing near to God, cleansing our hands, purifying our hearts, being miserable, mourning, weeping over our sin, and ultimately humbling ourselves before the Lord. Let me ask you a question this morning, church, as we close. Are, are you a friend of God? Do you know him? Do, do you have a personal relationship with him? The scripture tells us that because of our sins, we're all separated from God, right? The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're watching by the way of live stream or you watch this video later, if you've never trusted in Jesus, there's good news in the gospel. Your friendship with the world, friendship with the desires of the world, it can be broken. You, you can have a, a relationship with Almighty God. You can be a friend of God if you will repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ. There's good news in the gospel. For us as believers, though, we understand that even, even once we've trusted in Christ, that there's still going to be that battle. There's still going to be that war that's, that's waging on. It'll sometimes spill over into the church as it did in James chapter 4. But, but even in our own lives, that battle is being fought. We, we have to choose each and every day to walk more closely with God, reading his word, praying, seeking his face, humbling ourselves. If, if we will do these things, if we truly submit to him, the word is clear that he will draw near to us. He will continue to cleanse our hands. He'll purify our hearts. Church, right now, this day, the world needs to see that you're a friend of God. This city on lockdown needs to hear the voice of of the church, the voice of God's people who are walking deeply and intimately with it. Yes, there's uncertainty. Yes, we're, we, we, we're, we're as confused as the person who lives in the house next to us. 
but we're certain that God wants to draw near to us. If you're a friend of God, will you, will you look for ways? Will you look for creative ways to speak the truth of the gospel to those around you? Will you look for creative ways to reveal the truth of the gospel? We're going to move into a time of invitation. I know this is different. Right now, again, you're sitting on your couches, maybe still sitting in your bed in your pajamas. I, I don't know where you're at. I'm hoping you're at home. Maybe you're visiting family somewhere else, social distancing. Right now, you're scattered around, though. Here's what I do know, that even now, as we gather together, the Lord's presence is amongst us. You and your home, the Holy Spirit is making himself known. If, if, you, if, if you're there, you have a prayer request, you have a need to make known, would you, if you feel comfortable, just share it in the comments. We have just a few people here, but, but we also have staff who are at their homes. They're, they're looking at the life, they're watching the life, they're, they're ready to comment, they're really ready to pray with you, to pray for you. If it's more private in nature, there's other ways that you can share a, a message, an email that just, just open up. Look, this is not a time to withdraw spiritually. Yes, we're having to distance ourselves physically, but not spiritually. We, we can still gather together in a, in a unique way. Now, this will never replace the gathering of God's people in physical presence, but for this day, for this moment, we can be certain that God is with us wherever we are, even as a church. We're always the church. I usually like to say that when we come together, we're the church gathered, and when we leave, we're the church scattered. We're still the church. Right now, we're the church scattered on the morning of worship. I just ask you just to share your prayer request. Moms and dads with your kids there in the bed with you, sitting on the couch, will you do something that might seem strange? Will you get off the couch, turn around, get on your knees, lead your family in prayer? Wherever you are, whatever's going on, will you just spend some time making commitment before the Lord? I want to ask Ricky just to, just to share with us a song as, as we give a moment just to reflect. Think about the goodness of God, His promise of drawing near to us, His promise of truly cleansing our hands, His promise of purifying us. If we'll submit ourselves to Him, if, if we'll just take a moment just to think about God giving us more grace, for that we can be grateful.